0: week edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. Joined by a special guest this evening, the Club Doctor, Dr. Doc Torbin. How are we doing?
1: Doing very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on again.
0: We'll be talking all things Doctorish in a while. Uh, also we've got to myself Barry and Adam and Paul. How are you two doing? You two reprobates.
2: Yeah, doing well, thanks. Not, not too bad. I might one day get my Doctor of Law. I'm working on that. So I'll then you refer fun. to me as
0: the doc as well. Uh, well. We'll start with a bit of League One news this week. There was a game last night. Plymouth, who were now uh, they're on a fantastic run at the moment. They beat Cheltenham 2-0. They've closed the gap somewhat on MK Dons. They've played 39 games, same as MK Dons, but the two points behind them. So uh, they've got MK Dons last game of the season as well. And they've got an interesting fixture list. They've
2: uh, they played, uh, obviously, a lot of the uh, the top six sides uh, over the course of the next few weeks. In one sense, you might say, well, that's tough. But obviously, with Plymouth in form, it's equally tough for the, for the op- opposition teams as well. And I believe, doing my extensive research, that they don't actually have to play any midweek games until the uh, end of the season. So, I mean, we're going to be talking about, I'm sure, later rest and recuperation. So I'm sure that's going to give them... At some level of advantage over the course of the next few weeks, they've got they're in form. What I would say is they're one of a number of sides at the moment that are actually in form. Because if you look at the uh, if you look at the table, top nine sides, there's six of them on five match at least five match unbeaten runs with quite a few wins in there as well. The, the, the side who's struggling for form are actually the side who currently sits top of the league with just one win in the last five games. Which so I think in terms of being out of form at the wrong time of the season with quite a few injuries. I think Rotherham at a side who might be getting a little bit concerned by the form of some of the sides below them.
0: Looking at that, so they can do a lot of damage.
3: Yeah, they can. I mean, that comes from playing all the top sides. I don't think they're going to do us. I don't think they're going to get to the point where they damage us at all. You can't really see them sneaking into an automatic spot, but you can see them comfortably making the playoffs.
0: We've got them uh, last home game of the season. If you cash your mind back to when we went down to Old Park, that was a fantastic win, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was one of my favourite games. It's one of my favourite games as well. Um, it's a pretty even balanced match, to be honest. I thought it was. It was even all the way up to the end, and then just laying that finish and the limbs in the uh, the away fans was absolutely magnificent. One of the joys of this season has just been the away support, seeing everyone go crazy. Accrington, when Charlie Wyke scored, Plymouth, when Lange scored, Wickham was away. Some of the support we've had away has been amazing. And it's just one of the best things you can watch on the benches. as a goal goes in and just everybody goes completely crazy. Behind it. It's magnificent.
0: We've also been announced that there's been a fixture change and it's over the Easter period. There's two fixtures been moved. The uh, Cambridge game scheduled for Good Friday has now been moved to Easter Saturday and we're going to be on the telly. Quarter past five kickoff on Sky TV, which has had a knock-on effect because our Easter Monday game away at Ipswich has gone from Easter Monday to the Tuesday and a 7.45, which has upset quite a few people because they fancied the trip down there. And will it be a long trip uh, in the evening with work and school the day after? I think it's knocked knocked a few off that. These fixture changes do tend to disappoint a lot of people.
1: I'm a bit of a purist on this. I think the Christmas fixtures, the New Year's fixtures and the Easter fixtures should always be left as they are. You know, they're the traditional football games in the season. And I don't mind the midweek ones and the Saturday ones being moved around for telly. But those are just... It just grates a little bit, I think.
3: I think going from a, an accessible fixture on a bank holiday at three o'clock to a Tuesday night kickoff <laughs> is going to have hurt a lot of travelling fans in terms of accessibility. I think the
2: iFollow subscribers will be up on that Tuesday, I suspect.
0: Yeah, well, one thing I thought about, especially with our Burton game being moved, because we're internationals, we've got the internationals on us. There's quite a few clubs now supplying players, even, you know, even teams who sound a bit condescending, but Markham's our Burger game postponed because they're supplying players for international matches do you not feel that at the start of the season that the full four top four divisions should be should have a a free weekend when the international internationals are being played they they can look at that at the start of the season and fit those fixtures in somewhere else in a a midweek and, and, and they can plan for it properly rather than you know there's there's like half a dozen games off you know in in and even some games in league 2 are off as well
2: my view well it's a good I think it's a good idea i think the the problem is that uh, my understanding is that the club requests it but they don't actually have to request it so a lot of the times you're looking at your squad aren't you to see who what positions are covered it seem it's seemingly been that whenever we've had call ups they've always tended to be in forward positions even earlier in the season with Telos, uh, call-up, uh, obviously, for the uh, Norway. It would have had a big impact on us, but then it has a knock-on effect because it, it, it messes about with the fixtures, like you said, gives you an extra Tuesday game to play. And uh, it's been very unfortunate for us because we've lost a couple of Saturdays as well for the fans, where, which would have been great occasions, you know, at Morecambe and Fleetwood, I think, those away games. So, yeah, maybe better planning i'm not sure on the figures in league two but certainly in league one it might just be one of those seasons though because it is a bit of an odd one because you've got some massive sides in league one you know including ourselves So uh you know we have got the ability to still attract top quality players who you know play international football so i think certainly maybe down to uh, league one potentially yeah, you're right. I think I think if you can plan for it in advance, it's, uh, it's much better.
1: I guess the EFL's response to that would be that you're already squeezing in two extra FA Cup fixtures in League One and Two that the Championship and the Prem aren't doing, and also the Pizza Cup games. So there's already congestion on that side. I guess that's why they don't do it.
0: Yeah, well, scrap the group stages in the Pizza Cup and... Just yes. The anyway, Doc, we've got you on, so let, let's get down to uh, business. So, Doctor Doctor, give me the news. I've got a bad case. Of loving the blues, I've been dying to say that. I've been listening to a bit of Robert Palmer today. <laughs> <laughs> so, well welcome to the PW Podcast, Doctor Tobin. I think this is your—it's at least your hat trick appearance. This or so, uh, we'll, no,
1: no, no, second appearance. I think no, no, no. Oh, I think, oh no, maybe it is. Yeah. Oh, maybe it is a hat trick now. It's an hat trick.
0: the chapel, be in the post. Yeah, I came with Andy, didn't I? You did. I'm going to kick off with the first question. Are you feeling about the season so far? Has it exceeded your expectations?
1: Yes and no. I think anyone that had predicted this at the beginning of the season would have been an optimist beyond (laughs) most of the things. But then having said that, I also saw the players we were bringing in. I've been working with, with Mao and the gaffer, and you know the kind of staff they're bringing in, and you know the qualities that they have and who they're going to attract. So... When I looked at the odds at the beginning of the season of us getting promotion and and winning the league, I, I was had I been allowed to bet on football matters, I'd been quite tempted to put a few quid on because we actually had quite long odds, which I thought was an underestimation of where we are based on admin of last year. Um, so but yeah, it, it's it, you know it's been an absolutely fantastic season, you know, and not just not just in terms of the footballing side as well, we've kind of coming out of administration, um getting the fans back in the stadium. Um, Yeah, it's been a real feel good factor to this season so far.
2: And uh, obviously we know that you're very active on uh, social media and uh, sort of one of the things that you've you've been kind of alluding to is the, uh, I guess, the challenges for for all involved, you know, uh, players, medical staff, coaches and the fans as well in terms of playing nine consecutive two game weeks how'd you do it <laughs> essentially from your perspective because uh, uh, I suspect it's like between you and the physio sort of managing the minutes really and the gaffer obviously.
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's really difficult I mean you you need to have a coordinated response and you need to have staff that work well together because there's always going to be uh, you know the gaffer wants every player available for every game and the physiotherapist are looking and wondering about how much um, and the fitness coaches, how much we can give certain players and when they need a rest and when they don't need a rest. Different fixtures require different formations, different number of centre-backs you're going to be using. So there needs to be a coordinated response to that, which I think we, as a club we've really, really managed very well. And I don't think we could have... It, it, whenever you have a period like this, you sort of look back and think, what could we have done better? And there's always things that you could have improved on. And, and But generally, I think we've got most of it right in terms of the preparation for games and most importantly the recovery we've had we've had cryotherapy units in, we've had masseurs in we've had you know we've been really really good about trying to trying to make sure the players recover but football's football is a contact game and these guys are getting bashed around and at the beginning of the season I was hardly doing any work on players prior to games they literally just came in and they played the game last two games I've been doing up to 10 injections before the matches just to get players through with painkilling injections and stuff so it's been We are asking so much of our players um, and I don't think I don't think people outside of that are aware just how much their bodies get battered and also how mentally fatiguing it is. So players don't sleep particularly well the night before a game. They certainly don't sleep well after a game with all the adrenaline, the caffeine. So all of a sudden you've got in, in three game weeks, you're not sleeping for four out of seven games properly and then you're coming in and then you're training hard and then you're recovering hard and then you're traveling and everything else and it's it's been an unbelievable effort from the squad to um, and the coaching staff and the fitness guys to get everyone through this nine weeks and to do it and in, to be in the position we're in picking up the points we've picked up has been amazing and sometimes when I see criticism of flat performances on social media and I completely agree there's a couple of flat performances where we didn't seem to have the energy levels that we normally have to be honest the fact that it was only a couple of games rather than more than that I think is a real testament to how well the fitness guys and the, and the physios and the coaches have managed the situation just
2: ask just a quick follow-up question i know it's just on the painkilling injections how does that actually work because obviously you kind of said at the start of the season that you know pretty much nobody was coming for them and now now so how do you manage how many painkilling injections i guess a player can have during the courses because i presume you can't keep injecting them
1: every game <laughs> depends on what their injury is. It depends on who the player is. depends on what, you know, what medication they're taking otherwise. But it's more of a reflection of just normally when you have the, even if we'd broken those nine game, those sort of nine midweek games into three lots of three with a gap in between them, that would have given people's bodies enough time to recover the bruising to settle the the aches and the pains to die down a little bit, but there just hasn't. And it's not for most of these players, it's not a single injury It's just knock after knock after knock after knock without recovery. And their bodies are just battered and they're just weary. And as I said, there are not many squads I've worked with in 20 years that would have come through a period like that as well as this squad have.
3: How how much of that rest and recuperation is mental? Because obviously there's getting up for a game and, like you say, the adrenaline after the match and then the, the tiredness. And Is there anything done from a mental perspective?
1: Massive, Yeah, absolutely massive. And this is where the gaffer and james Beattie and uh, and rob kelly are so important because they need to gauge the energy levels of the squad and what whereas when you don't have that kind of intense period you can really plan your training sessions going through a week or two week three week cycle you kind of almost know what you're going to be doing because it's had to be so it's so changeable the gaffer's had to kind of think on his feet with how hard to train people or not train people. And a lot of that will be the mental feeling of the squad. Quite a lot, I've talked a lot in the past about um, football clubs have their own personality. They're almost like a person, sort of combined personality of everyone that's around. And you can feel when people are tired, the squad are tired, the staff are tired. And so sometimes you need to ease off the gas To give them a mental break because they're just not in that place where they would, you know, are ready to do the physical work that you want them to do. Um, And again, various managers have very different approaches to this, but I think this gaffer's got it spot on where he's really responsive to that and has been over the last sort of nine weeks. To just pick you up a little bit, is that you talk about squad rotation, but even those players that are on the bench, they're still having to take all the supplements and the caffeine and they're still adrenalinized and they're still going through the process of getting ready because they might be needed at short notice like Tom Bayliss was. So even though they may not be playing, they're still kind of in that loop of just forever recovering or getting ready without any kind of breather in between time. So it's not easy for the bench guys any either, to be honest.
3: Yeah. I think mentally it's hard for them as well. Cause like you say, they don't know whether they're going to be used or not in some cases, like I say, Tom Bayliss there you go, off you go, ten minutes in, whatever it was. There you go, you've got the rest of the game to play and he played really well.
1: And a lot of that comes from the fact that he's on the training ground when he's training, he trains so hard. And all of these boys do. The other thing that's quite nice about the squad is that they self-police so that if people are like off it a little bit, they'll, you know, the squad will manage that themselves within the squad um and again all the squads that have been successful that i've worked with they've all had that in the pol- sort of the police themselves to a large extent
0: yeah, we've got a squad four captains haven't we I, mean, I, I suppose that helps as well with all the big personalities um, yeah
1: 100 i mean sometimes i guess it could go either i guess it could go either way couldn't it? if you've got four or five or six captains whether there's going to be friction between those big voices but there just hasn't been at all it hasn't been an issue and actually what we've got you know, I thought when we were playing against Crew, it, it, you looked and it was just a team of men against a team of boys. Um, and I don't mean that disrespectfully to Crew, but it's about experience, it's about knowing how to manage games, how to manage situations. Um, it's not, you know, when things go well, you don't get too high. When things don't go right, you don't get too low. It's just that kind of thing that that this group brings.
0: There was some good news this week as well with Jordan Cousins, one-term injury back, back on the uh, playing field. He played for the
1: under-23s. Yep. Are we impressed with, you with his recovery? Is he doing well? And I'm not, I'm not just saying this to blow smoke up, his, but he is <laughs> unbelievably good. His, his work ethic in the gym has been unbelievable. Um, there was absolutely no doubt in his mind that he was going to beat back the time. We, we gave him a predicted time that we thought he'd get back in following, following the injury. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even a conversation. He was going to beat that, and he's going to beat that comfortably. And, well, here we are. And it comes as no surprise to anyone that's seen how hard he's worked.
0: I noticed that you put something on Twitter about the triathlete who forgot to put a watch on and she actually did a better time. She did a personal best, didn't she, in the running. Is that sometimes those we put put self-barriers up that sort of stop us from performing better than what we actually can? Do you think that's that's
1: like a psychological thing? Oh, 100%. 100%. I think, I think that... The players that are, it's very easy to overthink, especially when, you know, you come off the performances and you're getting a load of stuff on social media um, and the mental strength that you need to be able to put all that on one side and go and perform in front of, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 people is, um, is you know and it, it, you have to be you have to be strong but i also think that we we also just artificially limit what we can do we kind of look at the clock and see 70 minutes have gone of the game and we think we're we're more tired than we need to than, than we actually are and this is what that story said was basically that because she didn't have her watch by accident, she didn't know how fast she was running. So she just ran as fast as she bloody could for the for the rest for the run section of the triathlon. And she had no idea if she was doing better or worse than normal. And she did significantly better. And probably because she wasn't looking at her watch, she didn't know that she was doing so well. So she didn't really have that, you know, mentally holding herself back thinking, God, I'm going too fast or I can't do this or all those sort of inner doubts and I often think this with the football players it's it's one thing to be good at football to be able to go and perform in front of people there's no place to hide on the football pitch you let the ball run under your foot and for it to go out you get the crowd on your back you misplace a few passes you're two nil down and the crowd you know to be able to still carry on and perform and show for the ball that takes that takes more bottle than I've got I've got to say
2: question I think all Attics fans will be really interested in and really care about is uh, the progress that Charlie White is is making so if possible would you be able to update us on that please
1: yeah so as was released in the statement previously um, he had a routine procedure there was there's planned from months and months ago um the downside to that planned procedure was he needed a period of, of four weeks or so away from exercise so he was doing really well he's exercising um uh, doing really well but this procedure which we knew had to happen um has then led this four week period and then we start building up again which in essence writes off this season um talking about mental strength and charlie wyke in the same breath makes an awful lot of sense because what he has gone through you wouldn't wish on anybody and it's not just it's not just um, the trauma of everything that happened, but also, you know, having his career threatened, having to deal with that and and how he's come through that and the way he's sort of carried himself. And, you know, he's been he's been like an inspiration, to be perfectly honest.
3: A dirty question here. Some supporters suggest that Liam Richardson was the brains behind Paul Cook. Liam Richards obviously got his qualities, but. Would you say that's got something to it, or potentially not? We're both good in their own right.
1: I think that just shows how naive some people are. The question you should be asking is: Is Tobin the brains behind Richardson? <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they're very different. No, I don't think. so. I, I, no, I don't think that's fair. I mean, I really enjoyed working with. Uh, managers are so different, and there's more than one way to skin a cat. You know, you're not every manager is different, and sometimes. You see this as well. You see that certain managers will work well in certain situations um, and certain managers will then go on and not do as well elsewhere when they kind of feel they should. I've I've said this, that of all the managers I've ever worked with, the only manager that I think would would have got us through administration would have been this gaffer. Because he is so level headed and very even and everything else, you know, that doesn't mean that he was the brains behind uh, Paul Cook's success at all. I find it really hard to call anyone who's been my manager, not Gaffer. Now, it's a bit confusing which Gaffer I'm referring to. So, um, but Paul, Cook, Paul Cox has got his own way of managing, and part of that was having Anthony Barry in his team and Liam Richardson, and the, together they all formed a very tight knit unit that functioned unbelievably well, as we saw from from you know the the second half of the season just before lockdown. So no, I don't think that I don't think that's fair to say. I think they've they both got their own merits.
0: I agree with your position. I've just seen a photograph on Twitter that Stephen Orpheus put up of the guys out in Dubai. So without the rabble, work,
1: has it been a quiet week? No, I'm a little bit frustrated I'm not there, but with my NHS commitment, so I'm still quite I'm still quite sour about being stuck here. Although it's a you know the silver lining I guess is you guys and getting to spend some time on this podcast. Um, They only went on Tuesday. So Monday was a pretty normal day and getting everything ready and packing and everything else. Um, And I, I just, again, we've got six weeks, it's six weeks. And as we said, they're physically and mentally battered. And this is as good a way to get them away from this environment. We've lived in this training ground for the last eight months and just and I completely agree just the the idea of getting them away somewhere hot somewhere different to do some training out there to let all their bruises settle mentally relax um, and that just gives us hopefully the best basis for this last six weeks and the last push towards the championship and hopefully the title
0: Pass on to Mal the fans feel battered as well and we could do with a bit of it Maybe be at Southport that do us Hey I'll join you there
3: (laughs) Yeah I I think the mental relax I'll, I'll do them the absolute world of good, as, as much as a bit of sunshine. Well, just on that point, though, I
2: guess because um, obviously we've got congratulations to them. Of course, we've got players in international squads. Just quickly, how do, how does that work? Because uh, in terms of the relationship between yourself and the medical te- the medical teams, you know, in international uh, in the international environment, because you certainly heard of high profile disagreements in the past, haven't you, between clubs and FAs.
1: Oh, I've had I've had a fair few running I've had a fair few run-ins with international teams as well. Um, it so, for us, it's not really such an issue. I don't think we've been in a position where we've asked a, a, an international team to not use a player. We've always, as a club, I think, and as a staff, we you know we we're pleased that we have international players and players of that quality. They're all really these are all really proud guys. They're all really proud to go out and, as you'd imagine, and appear for their country. Um, and so I think the club want to back them in whichever way they can in order for them to fulfil their ambitions. Um, and most of the international teams are really good about feeding back information and, in terms of training and playing and any knocks and bits and pieces they pick up. So we haven't really been in that in, in that position. And actually we, we've cancelled all of our international games this season anyway. So it's a little, apart from the, increase workload it's not really such an issue for us it's not like we're having to play games without players that we'd otherwise have so you know it, it's not really been such a big issue for us to be honest
0: Excellent Doc. Thank you very much. We're coming towards the end of the podcast now. So what we do at this stage is usually have a quick look at the weekend fixtures in League One. And there's a few games called off due to the internationals. But the games going ahead are Accrington-Stanley v. Gillingham, Wimbledon v. Cambridge United, Doncaster Rovers v. Cheltenham Athletic, Ipswich Town, Plymouth, Argyle, Sheffield Wednesday v. Cheltenham, and Shrewsbury, the Lincoln City. The big players, Wigan Athletic, MK Dons, and Rotherham, have all got a free weekend this weekend. But there's a couple of results to look out for there, I'm sure. Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday jump out. Obviously,
2: Plymouth, we get the first test, don't they, to one of the sides on an unbeaten run away at Ipswich. I think Sheffield Wednesday, if they want to be pushing for the playoffs, Plymouth turned Cheltenham over last night. Sheffield Wednesday will have to do the have to do the same, really. It'll be really interesting to see how Plymouth get on at Ipswich because that is a big test. If they win that one, I would still give them a, a little bit of a shout of automatic promotion because you'll, they'll certainly be in the right frame
0: of mind if they can win at Ipswich. Which side of us, Doc, who do you see going
1: up? I think it will be us and Rotherham. Automatics with us winning the league, and that's it. And then it will be some of the players. You know, Plymouth are an interesting one, aren't you? At one point, Rotherham were winning every game, and everyone was looking at them saying they're not going to lose another other game and then all of a sudden they start stuttering and mk dons it's hard to make we were the same we were the same at the, in sort of october november where we everything we touched turned to gold and we couldn't seem to you know we couldn't lose a game at all and then we had a little bit of a stutter i think maintaining those runs over any length of time is almost impossible um and i think that both plymouth and mk dons will have a few results they're not expecting that won't go their way because they're basically overachieving by winning this many games in a row. You you are fundamentally overachieving, and I'm going to go with a 2 0 whip switch win on Saturday because normally I can't do the predictions because they involve us and I refuse.
0: It's a switch, so it's nil a piece. So that's for me. It's going to be a, a nil <laughs> piece. That's all they ever do.
3: Have you any mixed loyalties when we play
1: Bolton? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I don't have the fan. I had, look, I've had, I had an amazing time at Bolton and I absolutely, absolutely love my time there. I've got no, you know, I hope the club do well. The fans were always great to me. But when I came to Wigan, it felt like I've come home. That's all I can say. It feels like family here in a way it never did at any other club I've worked for. And so that's it, really. So, yeah, I've got no antipathy towards Bolton at all, but no, Wigan's my home.
0: What what a way to finish the podcast. We'll be back on Sunday with a reaction to the weekend action. Plus, we'll be launching the Progress with the Initiative Player of the Season with the voting stations being declared open. And a look at the contenders. So that's something to look forward to on Sunday's podcast. Do you want to throw your ass in the ring, Doc?
1: Can somebody nominate yourself as player of the season? <laughs> you, <laughs> no, I am for ball fagger of the season. I'm good at fetching balls at training, but that's kind of where my limit is. I know who I, I think I know who I'll be putting forward, to be honest
3: you've been on the pitch on a match day That qualified yeah
1: very slowly as, as Paul Kendry likes to point out Um, yeah for me for me I think Jack's had an amazing season and I think Tom Naylor's had an amazing season so those are my two that, that really stand out
0: I hope all those who have enjoyed this podcast special so until Sunday it is a Hope the Ticks Hope the Ticks Hope the Ticks